Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Welcome to it. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Let's just get right into it. Alongside me this evening, the chairman. I've heard self-appointed, or is it actual chairman? I'm the chairman. You're the chairman. People call me that. I didn't just make it up. You're also a giant among men. I am. I've seen you next to even presidents. (laughs) You tower over them. Yeah, I have that effect on everybody. No, you shared something interesting the other day, talking about what it's like to be a giant in society. And I just watched the Andre, the giant dog. Oh, doc. yeah. But, and you're, I mean, how tall are I'm 6'8". 6'8". Eight. Eight. Yeah. So, I mean, you're And I'm also like, you know, 270, not... Right. 5'10 or whatever he was. Oh, I can't imagine actually having giantism or whatever it yeah, is. I didn't get all the way through it. Uh, the Andre dog? Yeah, and not because it wasn't good, but just because it was like I just something came up and I had to stop it. Right, um, right. But it was very interesting. Yeah, I got through it, and uh, it was it was interesting how was much he, he knew I'm going to die. Yeah, and just it was like, yeah, whatever, you know. Well, and there's another guy it. in wrestling called Paul White is his real name, but Big Show. Oh, uh, yeah. And he had giantism, but he had the procedure when he was 18. And he said he felt neutered, literally, huh. when they did the procedure. Because huh. he used to be able to eat, like, you know, 5,000, 10,000 calories a day, drink with everybody, <laughs> had constant energy with that metabolism, and then... Yeah, that was the crazy thing, the people that are like, I saw him consistently consume 7,000 calories of, of alcohol a day. <laughs> That's insane. Like, yeah. Um, to be, to set the record straight, I'm just really tall. You're just very yeah, tall, yeah. six eight. Yeah, but I mean, I imagine this is a world built for people kind of six foot, a little bit under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just, you know, five nine to six one. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to check my you know, my six foot privilege here. That's right. And uh, what is are there certain disadvantages to being tall? Uh, flying on planes, buying cars, buying clothes in stores. <laughs> yeah. But, like, a lot of that's been, you know, I mean, a lot of that's fixed, like, with the internet. You know, buying clothes is so much easier than it was. Yeah, buying cars, like, look, there's certain cars I'm never going to be able to, uh, never going to be able to drive. No, you take my um, car. And there's certain, uh, you know, like, if I'm flying to the West Coast, I hopefully I have enough points to uh, to, to spring for first. Um, or I can, you know, get, you know, ho- a lot of times, you know, maybe a, maybe a spare hundred will get you into the... Uh, you know, into the exit row or something. Right. But, um, you know, other than that, no, not really. I mean, I, I don't hit my head on a whole lot of things because I know how tall I am. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and just, it's one of those things. It's just, to me, right, it's like, it's hard to it's hard to figure because I've been this tall since I was like 18, 19, and I actually grew two inches in college. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, and uh, so it's like, it just is who I am. Right. Um, there was a while where, like, you know, when you're a kid and somebody's, like, always pointing something out, what makes you different, like, it gets annoying. Um, but now it's just like, you know, I just think it's hilarious because, like, I'll be on a, if I'm ever in an elevator, inevitably someone goes, 
can I? And I go, I'm six foot eight. <laughs> you know, and they were going to say, can I ask you a question? You know. <laughs> well, so, I'm glad I asked you that question right when we began. Yeah. Not to fun. Well, I like being cliche. Yeah. I enjoy it. I like no, jumping I mean, it, right it, into it. I mean, it. It's, it is, it, it's either the one of the first things that you notice about me or you're blind. Right. You well, true. Yeah. Or well, I'm you know, height blind. Right. Like, I just, I don't see people's height. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't recognize anybody that's under 6'1". Well, I understand this. So everyone looks the same. Well, it's kind of like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to say it. People with tiny dogs. Right. Those aren't dogs. Those are cats. Yeah. Or rats. Or rats. Like, if your dog is less than 50 pounds, I mean, come on. Less than 50. Well, maybe less we'll, we'll like, give them that. Yeah. But less I mean, than 10? Oh, right. Or, yeah. Yeah. Those are like dogs that, that women can fit in their purse. Those are, yeah, those aren't dogs. Right. I, I don't want to be carrying around a dog in like a fanny pack like I'm a kangaroo. <laughs> like that's uh I, I'm I am i am trying, I guess, to throw shade at the particular person. I understand. He keeps claiming that he has the greatest bumper music. And he might. I think but he, he has actually a tiny dog. is a tiny dog. I don't know. I think that the day that uh that he wasn't here maybe and uh and and you and I might have been. Yeah. I think we did pretty I think we had pretty good bumper music that day. I think it yeah and you mostly took the reins there. Well, you know. It was good stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, but there's there's a certain there's always a certain amount that your audience will take, though, you know, right? Like until they want to hear Bob Seger or something. Well, people have asked me, what do you do to appeal to the audience? I'm like, I don't. Honestly, all of you out there listening, no offense, I don't think of you. I just come up here, I hang out, I talk about what you know, I the, think is interesting. The lights dimmed. We're just kind of like yeah. hanging out in here. I should have brought a drink. Not exactly. You know? I, I don't think the FCC. The effing uh, FCC doesn't allow that. Uh, well, I mean, they wouldn't know. Well, true. Yeah, just keep or they it wouldn't quiet. have. They wouldn't have to know. They wouldn't have to know. We were just bluffing. They want no drinks in here. Want to be like the dude that what the guy that what it was only like a month ago, but the guy that something happened with and he was somehow connected to Trump and he got fired or whatever and he was uh, and he like went on all the shows and they one of them accused him of being drunk. Oh yeah, you know what I'm about? yeah. The guy worked for. Uh, uh, Manafort. Yeah, we've been through like nine thousand news cycles since then. So it's yeah, like, you know. I was like, wait, are you talking about Bannon? You talking about no. Mooch? Are you <laughs> no, I know who you're talking about who he worked with uh, Manafort, uh, and yeah, yeah, and he like you know he, he basically like went ham on every. Oh no, that's right. <laughs> they, they subpoenaed him, right. and he was like, or whatever, and he was like, nah. Not doing it. <laughs> like, Good oh, luck. Okay, that. yeah. Good luck. Well, there are sometimes, especially in national politics, when the theater is really just overdone. Like with the Zuckerberg hearing. Yes. I wish Zuckerberg had just been like, you people, and I mean it, you people yeah. are dumb when it comes to the internet. Well, like the other thing, though, is, is that the craziest part about it to me was, I, I mean, I wanted somebody to say, like, I wanted him or some staffer or somebody to be like, wait a minute. So y'all all ran ads on Facebook when you got elected. Like, everybody there has run an election sometime in the last six years. So sometime in the last six years, you've had a Facebook page. You've probably run ads. You've probably run targeted ads. You've probably matched a voter file or something like that to Facebook. And now, suddenly, you're all up on your high horse. Oh, yeah. Well, and some of the, especially the old-timers, like Orrin Hatch. So do you intend to always have Facebook for free? Uh, yes, Senator. Then how do you plan on making money? 
uh, we've run ads. Yeah. Uh, it's like radio. Remember remember before, like, you know, remember a long time ago when you were a kid and you'd turn on the TV and like, you know, out of the sky there would become, you know, there, there would come signals. It's kind of the same thing, buddy. Well, and then uh, this is where people start screaming for term limit legislation. I think Rick Scott in Florida has run out with that saying, I'm going to run on term limits, which I think that'll play pretty well. But it's not... We don't have to put it in the damn Constitution. Well, Vote them out. Right. Correct. And there's no... The thing is, there's no panacea, right? Is that like... There I mean, there are times when... I mean, there recently, um, when long-time people have been basically either voted out or, or made to retire, I'm thinking of uh, uh, Lugar in, uh, in Indiana. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just... If you get out of step with your district or uh, Evan Bayh in Indiana, who... You know, it was revealed that he had a house in Washington and not one in Indiana. Like, things like that, you know, are just going to catch up to you. Well, and then you get guys who sort of get a little kooky or squirrely. Yeah. Here. Like, uh, I'm thinking of Arlen Specter. Yeah. Which, by uh, Patrick Leahy and Specter, is not the exact same. Uh, uh, Arlen Specter, who was on the uh, Warren Committee. He was? Yes. He's, he's that old? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and here's something crazy. Pat Leahy, first ever statewide Democrat elected in Vermont in 1972. You think of Vermont as this bastion of like crazy liberals and, yeah, and lefties? Sure. Nope, Vermont, first time that they sent a Democrat to the you know U.S. Senate, at least the U.S. Senate, I don't, but I think maybe totally statewide. First one was him. And they're still around in 2018? Yeah. It's like, my God. I, like, I was talking last week with the guy about the PMRC hearings. I'm like, oh, no, some of these senators were actually at yeah, those hearings. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. There does need to be some turnover and change. So I hear the term limits, but, people. You but, know, you know, but the other thing is, is that to be effective, you have to be there for a long time. Yep. Because the way that it works is, is that, the you know, the more sort of power you accrue and the more people that you know. And, you know, um, now, does that sort of insulate you from your average Joe. Yeah. Um, so it's like you have to kind of, you have to figure out how to keep your, you know, to keep your, to keep your head right and, uh, and to keep yeah. your feet on the ground. Um, and I mean, you know, you see that across the board in things where people are successful or famous, you know, like they get insulated from the people that they work for, or the people that they serve, or the people that their company works for, or, you know, who, everyone on the, everyone that's listening has probably complained about some, you know, uh, some Hollywood or music star saying, you know, just shut up and sing or whatever. Right, right, right. And, but it's sort of the same thing, right? I mean, it's a, it, it's a different industry, but it's the same phenomenon. Yeah, just shut up and do your job. Do your job. Well, though, when I see, like, I mean, Greg, and he, I brought up a brother where art thou, and he said, I can't watch any movie with George Clooney. It's just so sad yeah, to me. Yeah, dude, that's... Come on, Greg. But yeah. that's how he is, and I guess, I, you know, I know. I'll people, pick up and watch the Coen's Brothers movies yeah, for you. Pe pe people are like that, but whatever. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, they're the ones missing out. Well, I used to let politics ruin my good time. Now I'm just going to have a good time and kind of laugh at the politics. Because this is an incredible show right now. It, yeah. I mean, it, it's a little unnerving at times, but, like, for instance... I when I thought Donald Trump was saying little rocket man to Kim Jong Un I'm like okay that is a little crazy on my buttons bigger than yours and actually works <laughs> this man is tweeting that he said little rocket man yeah. in front of the United Nations and the Koreans now from reports of from South Koreans and from the Chinese meeting with the North Koreans the North Koreans essentially look at Donald Trump and go is he crazy or is he brilliant we right. can't figure it out 
Right. And I just love the idea of people who will be pulling their hair out, these career professionals who have studied North Korea for years, and all it took was threatening to bomb them and call them Little Rocket Man. Now, there are other things that are in play, obviously, but it's just like, what a weird time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, what a weird time. Then there's other things going on that are, of course, more serious, but then Comey coming out, I'm like, wait, is there anything new? Or are you just giving more background and some pulp to what you've already told us in Congress? Yeah, I haven't been able to figure that out. I also, like, I mean, I I get that it's salacious that Hannity and Trump have the same lawyer, but, like, what does it mean? Well, I saw an Onion headline that people are now worried Sean Hannity is biased. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, really? That's amazing. It's just like, I don't know. I've, I guess That's amazing. At first I thought, oh, Joe, you're being cynical. No, you just have been watching this for a little while, and you understand how the game's played right. a bit as a spectator. Yeah. Um, man, but I, I kind of want to shift gears here, because when I showed up early to News and Views one day, somebody brought up, and it'll be about this, but much more, Koneka sausage. Everybody I know loves Koneka sausage, and you just went... You just knocked it down <laughs> off the pedestal. Well, you know. And I'm not offended by that. I'm just interested. Apparently the audience was. Oh, really? Yeah. And oh, and, and, right. and all the uh and, and all the all the other co hosts and yeah, I have people I've definitely had people be like, You're wrong about Koneka sausage. And I'm like, I mean I, again I'm not saying that it's not good. I'm just saying that like there are a lot of things that are better in life than Koneka sausage. That's oh, just, that's just well, my opinion. I certainly agree with that. And there's a lot of foodstuffs that are better. I think that there's types of sausages that are better. Um, I just It's just one of those things. I've okay. just never been super, you know. It's, it's one of those things where people are like, oh, my God, I have a sausage. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was all right. It wasn't offensive. Just, you know, wasn't anything to write home about either. Well, I'm looking... Like, Dear Mom, I'm in Conecuh County. I found the greatest <laughs> sausage ever, and I'm staying here. <laughs> yeah, in Conecuh no County. No puns intended. Oh, God. But I'm, I'm thinking about doing this uh, carnivore diet. Not really out of, yeah. like, just health. Like, oh, I've read up on it, and it's going to be the healthiest diet ever. It's more like I either eat meat or I eat fast food. Oh, yeah. Like, I've never been a... I'm not a rabbit. I don't right. like salad... I don't eat that many vegetables. I'll eat some, you know, really good grilled asparagus. If a vegetable's prepared a certain way, sure. But I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll just eat. Instead of fast food, I'm going to eat. Like, I had this prime cut. I did the top notch just to start it off. Ribeye yeah. this weekend. It was amazing. I'm like, why Why have I been wasting all this money through waiter <laughs> and getting all these restaurants well, to bring me things? That's for sure. You know. You, de- you definitely, no matter what you're, you know, you can, yeah, what'd you, what'd you pay? Like 15 bucks for a ribeye? All know? right. Yeah. Oh, I, and, I'll give know. him a free plug. I went by Costco. Yeah, there you go. And or or less than. Got it in bulk. And, uh, yeah, and so you, and it's it's so much less money. It's not, doesn't take as much time as people think that it does. Well, and um, I did, I like to do the, uh, in the skillet, and you baste it with butter with mm-hmm. some smashed garlic mm-hmm. and thyme, and you mm-hmm. baste to baste to baste away, and then the touch test. That's and right. And it came out perfect, a nice medium rare. You ever done, you ever heard of a reverse sear? Yes. Reverse sear is pretty good, too. Now, for folks who don't know, that's where you, uh, you heat it up in the oven you put slowly. It in, you put it in the oven at about between 225 and 275, depending upon how thick the steak is, and then a certain amount of time. But, like, if you have a one-inch steak... You put it at like 250, 220 to 250, depending. Like, and you got to test your oven and all that. But like, you put it in there for like 40, 45 minutes, I think. And then you can Google this. And then you pull it out 
and you get like you put your you know it's best with an iron skillet and you just get it like hot as you you know really 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 hot so my dad the way my dad did it the first time he didn't even put any uh it, we, we basted them with oil before we put them in the oven right but there was no oil in the pan oh wow so just for one minute aside yeah and it's perfect wow I gotta so, try that. It works. I, I don't have a meat thermometer, so yeah, that I makes mean, that a little. And I don't have a rack to put on my baking. The yeah. problems of this, yeah, the first I mean, world problems. You I mean, know. you could get a meat thermometer, and you could get a rack for like less than it would cost you to, you know, get, get a waiter s- to deliver you something. Exactly. You're no offense right. to waiter, but you know. Well, and also, I had somebody telling me the other day that I'm part of the have-nots. This world is separated into haves and have-nots, and I'm like, well, certainly I don't have as much as say Donald Trump. Or a lot of people out there in this world, and I'll admit to the audience, I'm in the twenty-something range of yearly income, but I don't feel like I'm a have-not. <laughs> right. I mean, given well, I mean, everything living, we were just talking living about, in a, living in America, you shouldn't really, you know. Right. I mean, there are there are obviously, you know, extremes. Yes. But you're also single, no kids. There you go. I mean, so. It's not that bad. And no. so if you're single with no kids, you make 20-something or even a little less than that. You're still in the top 1% globally. Yeah, I mean, because the only thing that you really have to do is, like, survive, you know. Right. And, you know, have enough for fun on the weekends. Yeah, every time somebody says survive, I just think of Robert Downey Jr. in blackface in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> survive. <laughs> survive. In fact, that's what I haven't seen. Oh, you haven't seen Tropic Thunder? No. I'm oh. like, yeah, there's there's a lot of movies in that era that I'm just like, like if generally though, if it has Ben Stiller in it, I don't like it. Okay. Like just in general. It's one I of those things. I think that one was really well done. It's a great send-up of movies. Yeah, I've heard that. I just never really bothered with it. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to, and you said you wanted to talk about this because you're a book nerd. I'm doing this a little bit, you know, this book challenge, and I'm going to come back to the Kinect. I didn't ask it for just any other reason. <laughs> All but right. But with these books, these you, books. Now you've mentioned to me American Tabloid, right? American Tabloid and the Cold Six Thousand. Okay. Uh, it's actually part of what he called the Underworld trilogy. Your mileage may vary. I did not really like the finale. The the third one was just not nearly as good as or as um, interesting as the first two books. And the first two books were one of those things where, I'll give you an example, I, I have them, I used to have them on, uh, you know, in iTunes, but, you know, once you sign the, once you click yes to the wrong thing, it sucks all your stuff in the cloud and then you don't have it anymore. Right. But, you know, uh, but I was headed to a concert in South Carolina with a friend of mine and we were like, yeah, you know, it's a long drive. Like, what are we going to do? I was like, I got something for you. Like, yeah. let's listen. Well, because I had told him about it a couple times, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, you got the, you know, got her." So I had it on my phone, and about like you know, hour or two, and he's like, "I feel like I understand more of what you say now." <laughs> Just having like the staccato language of the way, yes. you know, the way that it's written, and some of the, like some of the some of the examples that I use all the time that like you wouldn't know unless you've read the book. Okay. So, and it's very very hard boiled. Like for the audience, if you're listening, like don't run out and buy this and expect this to be some sort of you know even as uh, it's just much more um, cynical than almost anything that I've ever read and it's very very uh, like it's not it's it's not down on America in any way it's just saying like let's be realistic with ourselves and that like we were never this innocent country like we were founded by you know dudes who knew how to get stuff done when they needed to okay oh absolutely it's that's I like uh, how Gore Vidal treated American history in that way. But this is a, yeah, this is essentially post World War II um, in the fifties uh, historical fiction where there's like two or three people that aren't necessarily real people and they interact with real people and yeah. they sort of make it's, uh, it's kind of like the X Files in that way where yeah. like they make the events happen and you just you know 
you don't really know what's uh, what's real and what isn't. But a lot of it takes place in Cuba. A lot of it takes place in L.A., Miami. There's crooked teamsters. There's J. Edgar Hoover. There's you know okay. John and Bobby Kennedy. It's just you know. Well, and you, it strikes me that approach to history, and even when it is some liberties are taken for the artistic endeavor or whatever, uh, you demystify history and this is why i asked you about the Kaneka. it seems to me that you're you made the point it's not that Kaneka's bad it's just not the greatest thing in the world right it's not that the kennedys were necessarily these evil people or these but it wasn't camelot right that's right yeah well have you seen the speaking of have you seen the uh previews for chappaquiddick uh, I've seen the previews. So, I haven't seen the movie. I haven't yet. seen the movie either. But I read an, I read an interview with the dudes that did it, and it was very interesting. In that they they like didn't know that that was a thing. I guess when they were saying that they were watching when Ted Kennedy endorsed Obama in 08, and it was sort of like this passing of the liberal torch. Mm-hmm. And then they started, you know, people were like, with with Kennedy, it's always like butt chapaquitic, you know. Right, right. And I think they, I think one of them said that it was Chris Matthews or somebody else said that that but for chapaquitic. Ted Kennedy probably would have been president, and I think yeah. that the, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Um, and so it's just interesting. And they said it was very interesting to like get into it, see that like what you know. I think one of the dudes said he asked his grandparents or his parents, and you know, one side was was like, "Oh, it's terrible! Like they did this thing to Teddy. You know, they set him up. She was a you know all this. Oh man! And then the other side w- was like, he killed that lady. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's just. You know, could have been out it, having it, fun one it, night and he cowardly. Well, it know. was just interesting. The uh, it's interesting, like what people's opinions were, and they were saying like having having no idea of what people thought of Chappaquiddick of, of the actual events, and then making this movie. They've been pilloried by both sides, right? Like for not making this liberal hagiography, but also not saying that like you know basically that Ted strangled her and threw her in the water. You know, right? It's not because neither one actually happened. It, these guys. Well, I think the writers of this movie didn't even. Know the story until recently, and they're like, We have to make a movie out of this, right? And so they probably stuck to the facts fairly well, as much as you can in a movie. Well, and in and as much as you can, in that not all the facts are necessarily known, uh, true. because like they're all from. I mean, the one the one fact is is that they 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 feel like they know when they went into the water, and they know when Ted called the cops, and it was like twelve hours later after swimming home and calling fifteen or twenty other people. Goodness. Well, Greg has seen it. Okay. Greg Budell saw it. And he what said, did he think? He said it was fantastic. Wow. No, and he's been yelling about right. what happened yeah, for yeah, yeah. years. Yeah. And uh, I think Bill Burr even, they said they used to have like whole comedy nights where they would make fun of Ted Kennedy in the 80s. <laughs> they would just do, what's the woman's name in that? This is terrible. Mary Jo Kopechny. Yeah, they would just do Mary Jo Kopechny jokes all night. That yeah. was the theme. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so it's amazing to me, though, that being kind of known out there, it's at least something people talk about over dinner if you're talking about Ted Kennedy, that he stayed senator for so long. Yeah. I mean, That's amazing. Well, I mean, I guess it shows you that they should have had term moments, right? Right. You well, know, because well, the also, Kennedy name, it's like... It shows me if you put something to bed initially... Yeah. Even if you did it and you got and you get away with it or whatever, you put it to bed. Once it's put to bed, anybody brings it up again. You know, oh, you with yeah. that kooky theory yeah, that's, again? Yeah, that's settled. Yeah, we already you know we settled that. Yeah, it makes me think about. Well, you were brought on the on CNN and other places with mm-hmm. the whole Roy Moore thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm amazed that just that came out only when it had national exposure. Well, I don't. I, I think that that was be, not necessarily be well. That was because it had national exposure, 
But it wasn't that that rumor hadn't been out there. It's that the rumor was passed to the right people, mm. and the right people had, you know, I mean, frankly, they had the the budget to send a reporter to go to Etowah County and get that story. Yes. You know, that's the, the, the secret isn't that, oh, they, they cooked this up. It's that they they sent that reporter to Gadsden and said, don't leave until you find somebody that, that, that knows about this, and that's basically what happened. Right. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, like the state papers just don't have the budget for that, you know? I mean, I, Brian Lyman's a great friend of mine. I, I think he probably could have broken that story, given the time and the and the ability to just say, "Hey, go start talking to people until you find it." Right. Well, and uh, this approach of demystifying things that, like, it's everyday people. We can talk about ideals, and it's sometimes fun to be a romantic. Sure, I can do that all day long. But uh, for instance, I, when I was really down in the depths, uh, I mentioned to you that uh, James Elroy reminds me of Bukowski. Yeah, yeah. And there's this one Bukowski poem, and this is the title of the poem. I wanted to overthrow the government, but all I came down with was somebody else's wife. Right. And it's a great poem. It essentially tells the story of this anarchist meetup group <laughs> who hated the Pope, who hated the federal government. But instead of making bombs, they just sat and talked. And finally, the pharmacist who would show up at this, his wife got tired of it. So when he was out of town, it, the, the, the wind cracked like cannon against the windows as he describes it. Um, and it's... It's sorted, but it's also uh, he makes a great point in the poem too. Well, you're you're a Dan Carlin fan, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I mean, he he talks about a lot of people talk about this that like the reason that conspiracy theories can thrive is that a lot of people don't want to admit that the entire history of the world can like turn on not just a whim, but an accident or an accident of history that's that that's perpetrated by some random loser. Right. Like Gabriel Princip started World War One, right? Right after missing, yeah, and then they left. What they left the hospital, or whatever. They like turned around. There's some crazy thing. They turned like, the wrong way. Yeah. yeah, they turned the wrong way. There he was. He shot Archduke Ferdinand. Next thing you know, World War One. And every, I mean, there's all sorts of other factors, but that is the spark. And then when you listen to the his thing on on World War One, they start talking about like if the if if like if we knew what would happen after that. Would the French and the English just say, "All right, Germany, like you can have what you got right now"? <laughs> like, you know, we don't need to fe- we don't need to feed two million more people into a meat grinder. Yeah, what's the story? I forget the guy's name. This is what I get in trouble doing something else while I'm listening to the podcast. Where it's the guy who's a big explorer and he got stuck in the Arctic. Oh yeah, Shackleton. Yeah, and he, and he comes back. He says, finally- "What happened with the war?" <laughs> And they said, it's still going on. He's like, wait, what? Millions are dead. Yeah. There's no end in sight. Yeah. Like, that is a crazy It's a Twilight Zone episode. It's crazy. And, you know, precursors, you can see it in history with, like, the Civil War, modern weapons, especially the, Mm -hmm. I guess, the Russian, Sino Wars, Japanese Wars. Uh, There is a bit of a a precursor, but it just goes full blown. Mm -hmm. And also, he makes the point in that podcast, Carlin does, of... Do you think people today are that... Are we too cynical to engage in that type of warfare? Like, I'm not going to go out there and march over dead bodies of my countrymen to just sit in a trench and maybe win? Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know the answer. I don't know. Um, because it's not... Nothing that we... Nothing that we've really been engaged in in the last X number of years has seemed like civilization, you know, would end right. if these people won. Right. You know? It's been skirmishes on the margins, and and that's not meant at all as an offense to anybody who has served our country in any capacity, because uh, you're a lot braver than most people, 
and and certainly me. But it is just very. You're right that like, do you really? You know what I mean? Like, well, and the style of warfare now is speed. Mm-hmm. Is is you don't know where it's coming from. It's like blitzkrieg taken to a whole other level. Like this recent attack in Syria. Yeah, what there were bombs coming in from almost every angle of the world. That's crazy to think about. Um, and it really is, I think, sending a message, hey, Assad, we could take you out if we wanted to. Yeah, but like a lot of things, it's like, well, could we? Because yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, or it, should we? It, it, right. That too. It's a little troublesome in that you can sit there and like, you, if you want to go down a thought, if you want to go down a really thought rabbit hole, yep. there's a way in which like, okay, you know, in, I don't know, in the next... 10 days, we're all just, you know, picking up civilization from nothing after uh-huh. we've been nuked into oblivion. Yes. And those new, like, the new nuclear weapons are just supersonic, send out multiple warheads. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, it's best not to think about. Well, but, like, we don't even think about it these days. Right. It's just, it's much worse than when everybody was doing the duck and cover. And Yeah. Yeah, I remember during tornado warnings, why am I leaning here, head at the ground, butt up in the air? What are you making me do, Catholic? I right. love, I love Catholic High. That's just a, <laughs> it's just a joke. Just a joke. We have to hit a quick break. Yeah. But uh, I've been playing music off the new Jack White album. Oh, yeah. And this one, this particular song is called Ice Station Zebra. This right. is a weird album. A movie called Ice Station Zebra. And this is like catching the song in like midstream. And it gets funky here. Dare I say, the funky... Clavinet. This soak it in. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. My guest this evening, Dave Mowry. We'll be right back after this. Paying interest on the bills of late, but I just can't seem to remember the dates. I lay low and turn off the lamps. Come on over, you can lick the stamps and make it put together a polio and sing hallelujah in stereo. Give the a baby letter into the pole, but keep the call on the non-molten gold. We got fever and there ain't no cure, girl. Take out insurance if you ain't too sure, girl. We do things that lovers do well. Never have to ever hear the rings of school bells. Bad jeans don't sell you the phone. All the time in the world, no twilight zone. My time is mine and I know the game is JB. Told me you got to hit it and quit it. Joey Clark. What's done is done I just can't find it no more So I'm walking downtown to the store And I'm buying a gun This just ain't no fun My life has Jelly Clark. Oh, welcome back. The song is What's Done is Done, Jack White. My guest this evening, Dave Maurer. This has been fun, man. It's I know, it is. We're already 43 minutes in. I know, that's what I noticed. I was like, I kept sort of, because like, you know, the rhythm of radio. Yeah. And I kept being like, we went from like topic to topic for a half hour, and then I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. Well, I literally have modeled the show after, and I wish I could do three hours with like Joe Rogan right. in those style. Like, yeah. Just hang out. Just go to, yeah, go and, anywhere and, you want to go. And talk. And what's fun about that is 
I've talked to radio people in this format, and they're so used to the other quick hits. You have to be fast. Right. They, they get a little lost. Right. They get a little lost, but it's fun to just chat. I wish Definitely. we could. I wish I could do what Rogan does on his show. Right. But, you know, you not, build up to it. not in yeah. Alabama. Hey, you, you know, know, you could. You just have to build up to it. Right. Right. You know? Or take an edible. Right. Right. Not that we're advocating that. No, no, of course not. It's illegal. Oh, that's right. And it's unhealthy. Uh, no, on a serious note, um, just came down. We heard earlier that she was uh, very sick, but Barbara Bush has died at the age of 92. That is official. R.I.P. Rest in peace, Barbara. And we'll leave that for tomorrow. We'll have hours to talk about it and the legacy. I'm honestly too young to be able to talk about that eloquently. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I know enough about the Bush clan just from basically, you know, uh, George H.W. was you know, elected vice president when I was three. So then, like, you know, and then was president, and then his kid became president, and so, like, it is kind of weird. Like, it does seem like they've just kind of always been there. Yeah. And uh, if you've never read it, uh, there's a book called What It Takes by Richard Ben Kramer. It's the best book on politics and on campaigns that's, that's ever been written, and I hear you, with, I hear your... Uh, I hear your Robert Caro's uh, and about Lyndon Johnson, and I hear your Fear and Loathing on Campaign Trail seventy two. But this is the best book on on campaigns and politics because people that are running camp running for office are politicians. But I never knew George H W Bush was like uh, like um, he he was as much or more of a naval hero no. than Kennedy was. Wow, I did not know that. Now, give me the name of that book again. What it takes. What it by takes. Richard Ben Kramer. Okay. Yeah, well, let's go to the phones. Mike wants to quibble with us a little bit about uh, conspiracy theories and history. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? I'm uh, doing good. It's a beautiful day. It is. Uh, it uh, is. Man, I just wish it could be this way for like six months or so. But <laughs> I agree. I was, uh, I was listening to you, and I think when people talk about conspiracies, you know, people... People like to create conspiracies because it's difficult to handle, you know, the randomness of history. Like, mm. wait, that just right. happened. I think the, the uh, Archduke Ferdinand is just a ridiculous set of circumstances. But the other one I look to is when you talk about conspiracies, particularly the JFK stuff, and I'm not trying to turn this into a radio show on JFK. We're, we're okay with it. Yeah, we're fine with it. Um, is, you know, we attribute incompetence to the government a lot. I mean, right. we don't. We don't look at the DMV, for example, uh, the post office, or you know, we don't want government health care because the government can't do anything well. But we're supposed to believe that the government can pull off a proper conspiracy and spray mm -hmm. us with chemtrails. Right. Well, it, it, I mean, I, I guess the thought on that is there's some sort of shadow elite that you know that they. You know that the, that they train and run or whatever, and all these other people were just randoms like us. I mean, I agree with you, and so it's weird for me when people when we when people talk about conspiracies because I'm fascinated by all of them, but I also genuinely believe that, like you said, that the that the government can yes. barely get the DMV right, and that three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead. <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and, and so when you talk about, it, I think when you know, look at the bushes. I think this is you know, and I. I, uh, I'm going to have to process the Barbara Bush death yeah. uh, later. That, that is uh, a lot. She had a great life, but, though. She did. Uh, she did. But you look at the Bush family, it, the early part of the United States, there was the, you know, Phyllis Sandover, uh, Exeter, Crotton, 
you know, all these guys yep. that came out of these schools. There were uh, upper, nor- you know, northeastern elite schools, and they all went to the same, you know. Uh, yeah, they all went to the same. They went to Ivy League colleges, and then they, bones, right? And then they became, the, and then they joined yeah. the CIA. A lot right. of them, you know. Some of them did. Some of them did. But it, you know, but because they were all friends, and because the United States was much smaller. I think what we try to associate with, we try to look for, you know, maybe a conspiracy where maybe there isn't one to begin with. You know, maybe it's just a bunch of dudes that all know each other because, you know, it's the Brahmin of Boston or whatever they are. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I, and I, I agree with that. I, I mean, and the other thing is, is that, you know, there's always another side fighting against you, whether that's uh, that's literally or, you know, figuratively, and that if they found out that you were doing some of this stuff, would totally out you on it. Oh, of course. You know, and so it's, yeah, it, it's just one of those things where there are some people that seem to lead extraordinary lives, you know, and, uh, and, and it's easy to think that, oh... You know these are these are these powerful forces that are controlling my life. And here's the, here's the thing: a lot of times, and they're keeping me from being successful, yeah. or keeping me from from reaching my potential. You know, because if I just you know if I just had these people you know pulling my strings, and I could be that too. Well, and it, we can all fall into it. You well, know? and also for all the evil in the world, it must be evil people. Like I, I still remember to this day, Alex Jones outside the Bilderberg meeting. They're eating golden wrapped babies in there. Right. I swear. Like, my goodness. So, you talk about books, and you talk about that group. There's a book called The Wise Men. um, Yeah. Which is, okay, so if we're talking, so Robert Caro's great. uh, The Power Broker uh, is an amazing book. Tell tell the truth. Have you actually read every page of The Power Broker? Uh, Okay, so I listened to. (laughs) Because I've read it. Hold on. Time out. I listened to uh, a book on tape, and I got through about half of it, and I read the last half. It is unbelievable in that it is essentially a history of New York City from what? And New York State, a lot of New York State, from like 1880 to 1960. Right. And it all revolves around one dude. It's it's actually mm-hmm. really, really, it's great. It's, it'll take you longer to read than the Bible. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it tells you more about politics. I mean, uh, so, Joey, I don't know if you've read this book, but FDR as president tried to fire the parts commissioner of the city of New York and could not. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, now, what's, <laughs> what's the book you just said, The Wise Men? Yeah, so it's called The Wise Men, and it's about the creation of modern foreign policy in the United States. Oh, hmm. so it's they, Dulles and those guys and the... the no, not, uh, no, Dulles is not one of them. Dean Acheson, uh, uh, sorry, I'm blanking on it right now, but one is Dean Acheson, the other is George Kennan. Uh, Uh, Kissinger probably is thrown in? No. No, no, too late. Uh, Oh, okay. Uh, Who's the the Union Pacific family? Avril Harriman? Yeah, Avril Harriman. Dean Acheson. Avril Harriman, and then there's two other guys. You got Robert... Robert Lovett, John McCloy, and Charles Bolin. Hmm. Yeah, Charles Bolin. So it's, these are the guys that they kind of attributed to creation of modern American foreign policy. Oh, yeah. See, that's your thing. Six friends in the world they made. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good, big read, but it's all the same stuff. They all came from the same background. Um, and uh, it's, 
it's funny to see how how things evolve. Well, I like both Walter Isaacson and Evan Thomas's writing, so I'm going to download this right now. Yeah, I'm going to check it out, too. All right. Well, hey, guys. You guys have a nice night. Love the radio show. The uh, This is really intelligent listening, and you guys um, bringing people in from the War College and over at AU, uh, it's good listening. Love it. Awesome. So, Thanks for calling, man. Really appreciate it, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, a good call. Well, good we got called. Call. We we got called intelligent. Yeah, that's in, that's amazing. And I mean, I, you read a little bit. Like I'll read a few books, and people are like Joey, you're so well read. Like, no, I'm not. You just never pick up a book. Right, exactly. Like I, that unnerves me. If people think I'm well read, then we're in a lot of trouble. And I mean, I the one thing I can say is is that like uh, I, I I do have fairly good like uh comprehension and, re- and like recall yeah so like if i've read something you know i really kind of can go oh that was in this book you know that type of thing but i mean i've you know that's my only claim to being above intelligence or average intelligence is on reading and comprehension yeah and i also like if there's something that i get interested in like uh you know i read books about it yeah you know exactly just one of those things. Well, I do get lazy. I do like the the documentary thing, oh, I, well, and then I, I'll watch. I love the documentaries, book. but half the time, like I'll watch a documentary and they'll mention a book right. as a source, and then right. I'll go read the book. Got to read it. Yeah, got to read it. Now I've been getting into uh, talking about old old stories, ancient. Got into it a little bit last night, but there's a new Netflix show called Troy: Fall of a City, Ooh. and it's actually really good. Ooh. I was skeptical because that the movie Troy with was Brad Pitt literally awful. It was just terrible. It's one of the worst movies I've ever it's seen. Taking demystifying way too far. No, leave in the truth in this series is actually based off the Iliad and the Odyssey. Wow. Like, they leave in all the gods and all how the gods are interplaying with the human beings, and it's really drawn out and well done. I have to hand it to them. Sounds pretty good. And uh, it grabs people's attention. Like, my roommate said, he's not, he admits that much of a reader. He just doesn't have the patience or whatever, unless he's really interested in something. He said, that's the one book from school that grabbed my attention. I'm like, yeah, because it's freaking awesome. Right. Like, old, old stories that stick around that long. I and they're prototypical, you know, that are basically like, a lot of what you read, a lot of else what you read is based on that. Yeah, they're archetype. Yeah. yeah. That's what I meant, archetype. Prototype, yeah. archetype, you know. Well, and then... What are you going to do? Oh, my goodness. Let's go back to the phones. 272-9228. And let's talk to whoever this is. Taking a call. I got done today, folks. Oh, hello. Oh, hello, Randall. Randall. What's up, dog? Hey, I'm a, uh, I want to throw a book in there, uh, 18-hour firefight. If you, I mean, it's, it's, it is a war. My, my, my cousin uh, is in there, and he got awarded the um, um, Purple Heart. So, uh, oh, wow. His, yeah. last, his last name is Brian. It's a pretty good book. 18-hour um, firefight? Yeah, 18-hour firefight. Okay. It was nice. uh, out of Afghanistan in... Man. I can't think. Uh, 2009, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. But what I'm talking about is about the, you saying the uh, president, you know, he, they talking about, I guess they had struck up a war back in between 50 and 53 with Korea, and uh, it's still in the books, and they talking about, you know, taking it back, declaring that, you know, we're not in war with them no more and coming to the table. Do y'all think, since he is playing no nonsense with Syria, you think that that Rizal will ever come to the table, or you think that pretty much that gas attack, that gas attack pretty much closed the book on that forever? 
You know, I don't know about the Syria. I, I, tr- I truthfully, Randall, don't know enough about the politics of Syria, except that it seems like Russia's on one. Russia and Iran seem to be on one side, and other us and Israel, and maybe others seem to be on the other side. I, but I will say that if, if if whatever happens, if 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 Trump brings the two Koreas together, mm. that is, I mean, I lived in Korea, and like that would be. I don't even know how we would describe it. I mean, it, it, because it would be even crazier than Germany and East Germany it's, because it's world historic. They've been they've been separated longer, and like there's this thing where your average North Korean is like half a foot shorter than your yeah. average South Korean because of malnourishment and yeah. all sorts. You know what I mean? So it's just it, it's insane. Ho- you know what, Randall? Hopefully, both of those things happen, man. Well, and I think Christopher Hitchens described North Korea as like somebody gave them a copy in 1984. It's like, yeah, we could replicate this with some Korean I, tradition. I, I have a friend who's convinced that it's this long play experiment by the Russians and Chinese to just like <laughs> see what what you know, like just eh, let's just you know let's just work out the kinks on these people. It's you know, miserable. But Randall, too, on Syria, actually, an Air War College guy call in, Doctor Sorensen, uh, earlier today said that attack, the gas attack in Duma, was actually the last gas, no pun intended, of the rebels, the Sunni rebels and the actual population there. And Assad is pretty much all set. His only potential opposition would be the what is left over of ISIS, and then we'll see how the Kurds behave, because the Kurds now hold a third of Syria in the north, having U.S. backing and fighting ISIS. They've taken over. So I'm not sure where it goes. I worry, though, that with Pompeo, with Bolton, who have been longtime hawks against Iran, and with everybody in Trump's ear, that they're more worried about Syria, not for humanitarian reasons, sadly, but for geopolitical reasons, wanting to push back Iranian influence. And this is why Saudi Arabia is all for it, why Turkey's kind of all for it, as long as you don't empower the Kurds too much. Israel, that's the craziest breakthrough, too. Israel and the Saudis, Israel and the Arab world, they're walking hand-in-hand on these issues now. Iran is such a threat. Um, And... I don't know where Syria goes. I think Assad's staying where he is. I mean, it looks like it. <laughs> I got you. Maybe. Anyway, but I thank you for your insights, man. Y'all are two brilliant people, like he said. Oh, and uh, y'all, y'all make me pick up books. Man, y'all just see the book my daughter's getting out of school now. I mean, when it's over, I mean, just changed the whole, whole, my whole dynamic of how I think, how my kids think. Just blue water broadcasting, baby. Take it to the bank. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> oh, Good to talk y'all. to you. Man, I love that guy. Me too. At first, when he started calling in, I'm like, who is this fool? And then I've gotten to know him over the years and talked to him, met him in person. Yeah. Great guy. Uh, Yeah, and a a guy who, uh, I think that's interesting, he'll call in and say, I'm like, I didn't know about that. I want to know more. Yes. And like, that's just very, because most of the time, people call in radio stations to say, you're wrong. You know? That's actually the one part of Sapiens I thought was fascinating. He said the scientific revolution was backed up by the idea that we don't know. Right. We don't know the whole world. We don't have the whole map drawn. We don't know how everything works. So because of that, it drives you to search. Yeah. And it gave us what we have today, but we're out of time, Dave. Yeah, man. Well, this is fun. This is a lot of and fun. And quick, let's do it again. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. This has been, well, what's done is done. We'll be back, or I'll be back tomorrow night. I think I'll have uh, old Lady Hayes on the show. All right. Old Emily. Talk to you all then. Joey Clark. That nothing is real and nobody.